Welcome to The Bridegroom Speaks from Hope's Garden. I'm Laura Ercolino, foundress of Hope's Garden. As Jesus has healed my broken heart, I have fallen more deeply in love with him and in love with his song of all songs. In this podcast, I will share with you excerpts from the Hope's Garden Brides of Christ study of the Song of Songs. I am delighted to share this journey with you as we dive deeply into the abyss of the bridegroom's love and the beauty of his divine love song. Take a minute and get comfortable. Take a few deep breaths and whisper your little prayer for the bridegroom to come and sing over your heart what he knows you need to hear today. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, The Bride. I sleep, but my heart is awake. I hear my beloved knocking. Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of night. I have taken off my tunic. Am I to put it on again? I have washed my feet. Am I to dirty them again? My beloved thrust his hand through the hole in the door. I trembled to the core of my being. Then I rose to open to my beloved. Myrrh ran off my hands, pure myrrh off my fingers, on to the handle of the bolt. I opened to my beloved. But he had turned his back and gone. My soul failed at his flight. I sought him, but I did not find him. I called to him, but he did not answer. The watchmen came upon me as they made their rounds in the city. They beat me. They wounded me. They took away my cloak. They who guard the ramparts. I charge you, daughters of Jerusalem, if you should find my beloved, what must you tell him? That I am sick with love. The verses that I just read to you from the song are from chapter 5. And this chapter begins with the bride asleep but her heart awake. And the bridegroom knocks at the door of her heart and she hesitates. She does not jump right up to open the door for him. And while she's hesitating, he turns and walks away. And when she does open the door and find that he's gone, she's saddened and she desperately seeks for him. And this reiterates for us one of the themes that we find often in the song, that the bridegroom will hide to increase our longing and our desire to cause us to seek him more ardently. And as she seeks him, she realizes now that he, Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, is the only one who can satisfy that longing in her heart. And so she asks the daughters of Jerusalem, her maiden friends, to please, please seek him too. And if they should find him first, that they would tell him that she 
is sick with love. She can't live without him. And she wants to do anything to get this message to him so he will come back. And so um, I want to read a little bit from Gregory of Nyssa. Gregory of Nyssa had quite a lot to say here too. Um, but I want to just read a little bit about what he has to say about being wounded by love. If then we too are children of the Jerusalem above, let us attend to our teacher to learn how it is possible to see the one we desire. What does she say? If we bind ourselves by this oak, so he's talking about her saying um, by the gazelles and the deer of the field that she's making an oath to them. Um, taken by the powers of the clear-sighted gazelles and by the virtues of the vice-destroying deer, it is possible by their means to see the pure bridegroom, love's archer, and for each person's soul to say to him, I am wounded by love. And so here's an early church father reminding us what um, really Thomas Dubay's book, if you've heard of the book, The Fire Within, if you haven't heard of it or read it, I highly recommend it. Um, it's about the teachings of Teresa of Avila and John of the Cross, but his real theme is that we are all called to the mystical life. We are all called to union with Christ. And this is what Gregory of Nyssa was saying, that every one of us, if we are clear-sighted, that means if we have the, those dove eyes that we've talked about, if we have the eyes of purity that we pray to see as Jesus sees, that we ask for the Holy Spirit to guide us. And if we are virtuous, if we put off the cloak of humanity, if we continue to grow in the virtues and holiness, letting the bridegroom purify us and lead us in that process of detachment, then we too, like the bride, can see the bridegroom and our hearts will be wounded, wounded by his love. I loved um, his name for the bridegroom, Love's Archer. And you just see Jesus shooting like Cupid arrows of love <laughs> into our hearts, wanting to take us captive, captivating us with his love, capturing us. This um, is what I always think of when I read this line is this wounding, the, the dart of love piercing St. Teresa of Avila's heart, sending her into this ecstasy. And um, this is, they call that the transverberation of her heart. Um, and I saved part of her description of what this felt like. Our Lord was pleased that I should have at times a vision of this kind. I saw an angel close by me on my left side in bodily form. This I am not accustomed to see unless very rarely. Though I have visions of angels frequently, yet I see them only by an intellectual vision, such as I have spoken of before. It was our Lord's will that in this vision I should see the angel in this wise. He was not large, but small of stature and most beautiful. His face burning 
as if he were one of the highest angels who seem to be all of fire. They must be those whom we call cherubim. Their names they never tell me, but I see very well that there is in heaven so great a difference between one angel and another, and between these and the others, that I cannot explain it. I saw in his hand a long spear of gold, and at the iron's, iron's point there seemed to be a little fire. He appeared to me to be thrusting it in, thrusting it at times into my heart and to pierce my very entrails. When he drew it out, he seemed to draw them out also and to leave me all on fire with a great love of God. The pain was so great that it made me moan. And yet so surpassing was the sweetness of this excessive pain that I could not wish to be rid of it. The soul is satisfied now with nothing less than God. The pain is not bodily, but spiritual, though the body has its share in it, even a large one. It is a caressing of love so sweet, which now takes place between the soul and God, that I pray God of his goodness to make him experience it, who may think that I am lying. It also made me remember another um, one of her teachings that she said that the prayer of ecstasy requires more courage than the prayer of pain. That a soul has to be very courageous and God has to give a soul a lot of grace <laughs> to enter into this prayer of ecstasy. And um, the, the reasoning is it causes such a painful longing to have seen the face of God just momentarily <laughs> that it causes this constant like spiritual pain, this torment within this interior torment that made saints like Teresa of Avila and John of the cross say just, just to cry out in anguish. I die because I do not die. That that's how painful this longing for God becomes when they've had this taste. Um, St. Therese said that she tasted a sweetness that she would die the deaths of all the martyrs to taste it again. Beauty and sweetness beyond anything we can even, even imagine. And that's part of, um, you know, that's part of this being wounded by love is that when you have been wounded by his love like that, and then nothing else, you can't find anything else that satisfies you. Like no matter, even if you're doing the thing that used to make you the happiest, you still feel this ache, like something is missing in it. Like it's just, it's not the same. <laughs> when he pierces your heart with his arrow, your whole longing becomes for him, for heaven, for eternity, right? Um, and he sets you, like she said, her heart is so set on fire by the love of God and so then the soul, when she talks about the seventh mansion, the soul cannot do anything but be working for God. If it's not in contemplative prayer, loving God, it's working for God. <laughs> like that's, that's all it can think of is God. Um, and then the, the wound of hiddenness is that struggle, that interior struggle that happens then because you want to just remain hidden with Jesus. And yet 
you know he's calling you, you know you also want others to, it's like the bride, right? You want to just be in that wine cellar, intoxicated by his love alone with him. And yet you're also drawn to lead others to him. And so it's that, that tension between wanting to be hidden and alone with the Lord and wanting to do his work and set others on fire. And so that causes a pain, a woundedness within. I went back and took a look at, um, you know, the bride says this also back in the beginning when she says he has taken me to his banquet hall and the banner he raises over me is love. And then she says, feed me with raisin cakes, restore me with apples for I am sick with love. And there's such a, um, just like in that description that we read by Teresa of Avila, right? There's this paradox in it all. It's so painful and yet you don't want it to end. It's sweetness and it's bitterness at the same exact time. You know, um, Marie of the Incarnation says, um, I was pining with love and yet I enjoyed love. I don't know how I, how I should put it. One's, one suffers, one languishes, one enjoys. And this is origin. If a man has once burned with the faithful love of the word of God, if to speak like a prophet, a man has one day received the sweet wound, the sweet pain from the best arrow, if anyone one day has been pierced with the dart of love to the extent that later on, day and night, he sighs with desire and knows nothing else, wants nothing else, is attracted by nothing else except to desire it, want it, and hope for it. Such a one can rightly say, I am wounded with love.